0: Oh, good morning, everyone. Welcome. What, what a glorious morning. Who votes that we build a retractable roof in the sanctuary? Raise your hand, right? Just kind of move it back and forth. And if we do that, it might make us a losing team, but it would be worth it, right? It would be worth it. It would be totally worth it. So, ah. It's good to see this. I hope you got plans to take advantage of this sunshine, gang. It's uh, it's glorious. I think I think we would all agree that when the sun comes out in the northwest, you don't want to be anywhere else. It is glorious out there. So today is not a day for working in your garage. It's not a day for watching a game. Take your wife on a picnic, fellas, uh, and you will win today. There you go. Yeah, I will if you ask me to good to see. Hey, can can we just say a big thank you to all of the folks who yesterday gave up their Saturday in order to serve at our one-day men's retreat. We had 85 guys out and we had an awesome day. Can we thank everybody who served? A bunch of people did cooking and cleaning and planning and arranging, and it was just awesome. And we had guys connecting. Every every guy I talked to just thought it was an awesome day. Um, There was the shooting group. There was the golf group. There was the hiking group. There was the fly fishing group. Then there was the most spiritual group, which was the board gaming group that I was playing in. (laughs) And, and we just looked around and said, we cannot go indoors. So we went outdoors and we played these awesome Scandinavian lawn games. I can't tell you how much fun it was, except that you already knew I was a nerd. So just go with it on that. But we just had a blast yesterday. So thanks to everybody uh, who served and made it, uh, made it really special. It's great to be with you this morning. We have a father who loves us dearly. Amen. It's good to rejoice in that. A, a, a few quick announcements, just a, a few quick things, then we'll open God's Word together. We're in Romans chapter 12. We're getting to the end of our journey through Romans. But uh, I just want to remind us that uh, summer camp sign-ups are happening now. That's both for the kids, third through fifth grade, and then for the teenagers, sixth grade and up. Uh, those camps are closing in on us. They're a little earlier this year than they were in the summers before the pandemic. There was just some schedule shuffling that happened with the camps, and so those camps are going to happen a little earlier this year. They might catch you off guard, so mom, dad, be aware of that. We'd love to get your kids, your third through fifth graders signed up for kids camp in June. Uh, teenagers for uh, youth camp in July it happens at Silver Lake over in Eastern Washington. It's a great time. As always, um, if the cost of camp is a challenge for you you can find out all the details through the website go on your phone scan the QR code and the seat in front of you all that good stuff um but if the cost is a challenge, please contact Pastor Allison, the kids department, Pastor Josh, we'll work with you to make sure your kids can go scholarship uh, them because it's, it's too important and it's too fruitful and it's, and it's too much of a big deal. So just know that that's the reason all of us give is to be able to do stuff like that. So don't be shy. Uh, camp's right around the corner. Uh, also, uh, in just a couple of weeks, on the 5th of June, uh, I mentioned last week we had a number of folks who, who wanted to be baptized this spring but missed the spring baptism that we had a couple of months ago. We also have spring and fall. And so they said, hey, Pastor Greg, could we do another baptismal Sunday? And so there's already eight folks signed up for that. So on the 5th of June, we're going to baptize again. If you've received Jesus as your Savior, and you've never been publicly baptized, I want you to know that he invites you to make that public confession of faith. And we love to include you on that Sunday morning, June 5th, just a couple of weeks away. So you can call the church office again, use use the little code on the chair, stop by the guest center, whatever works. But we love to include you in baptisms and then and then one last thing uh, many of us have asked hey where are we with the kids expansion just want you to know that's going ahead that building project is going ahead we had hoped for a break date of July 1st but if you know anything about contracting and subcontracting and supply chains and all that kind of stuff th- that date is slipping a little but it's still going forward the plan uh, is for later this year and when we have more concrete details we'll share them with you but it is going forward so thanks to everybody who's out everybody who's given, everybody who's willing to serve in that, we are moving forward. Grab your Bible this morning, if you would, and uh, open it to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Try and put out of your mind the vision of a retractable roof, and let's get back to, to where we are here. Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. And Let me ask you this morning, are you, are you any good? Are you particularly good at giving gifts? Are you the kind of person that just has a knack for giving gifts? I ask because most of us aren't. Okay, I, I'm not particularly good at that. I try really hard, but um, I don't know that I do that well at giving gifts. I think maybe in general, ladies tend to be better at this than guys. Guys really struggle with this. A lot, I know I have a, a dear brother in my small group who owns a jewelry store, and he likes to say that right before valentine 's day or right before Christmas, clouds of guys flow into his store like wounded ducks crashing on a lake. <laughs> you know, that image just stays in my head, you know looking for something to give those that they love. yeah, are you any good at giving gifts I, I, I have a buddy. <laughs> who actually on the 10th anniversary gave his wife a vacuum cleaner, if you can believe that. I said, you did what? And he's so dumb. He looked at me and he said, well, that's what she said she wanted. Wow. Don't you know that women don't say what they mean? Don't you know that? You know, I gave him a hard time about that. And, but, but I have another buddy. And fellas, I don't know how you feel about this, but I'll share with you. His wife his wife on valentine's day got him flowers i'm not okay with that all right i and when he said it he had like this blank lost look on his face and i said yeah i feel you bro i don't know what i um thank you i guess you know put these in a pot in my truck you know and then i guess you know i yeah are you any good at giving gifts Uh, some of us are, some of us aren't. Giving gifts well is is a real art. And if you've ever been given a gift that just blew you away, then then you understand that. You know that when somebody gives you something that just gets you, that just kind of understands who you are, that feels amazing. Uh, Because it's not merely something, it's they're giving you their understanding of you and it just it's a, it's a cool thing. I i remember uh, one of the times when my wife and I were, were, were on, uh, touring in Europe. We've got to do that two times. And, you know, with my history fascination, I just drag her to one museum and one battlefield after another. And she's so patient. And um, the first time we went, I had been doing that for about six, seven days straight. Just one museum, one battlefield after another. And I started to think, hey, you know, Greg... <laughs> This is about her as much as you and you need to kind of think about places she would want. So that morning I got up and I said, "All right, I'm not stopping at any battlefields, I'm not stopping at any museums today. We're just going to keep going and and, and I'm going to continually ask Ronda what she wants to see." And so I was kind of doing that. We got into the afternoon and we were driving through Belgium when we come around a corner and and there's this sign by the side of the road and it said just an arrow, a little sign and it said this way to the Maginot Line. Now, Most of us don't know what the Maginot Line is, and you're probably better for not knowing. But it's a big line of forts that were built on the French frontier. It was a huge failure, but they're they're history. So it's, think, a lot of concrete holes in the ground. (laughs) And uh, I saw the sign. I thought, oh, and then I said, nope, I'm not going to say nothing. Nope, I'm not going to say a word. I'm just going to drive right by that sign. You know what my wife did? She saw the sign, too. And because she's my wife, she's heard about the Maginot line. See, it's nothing to be excited about, right? And she says, oh, honey, that's the Maginot line. I said, yeah, I know. We don't need to see that. We've gone to a lot of stuff. She says, oh, no, we might never be here again. I said, honey, we don't have to stop and go to another one. She goes, oh, no, 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 I know you want to. Come on, let's go. And she talked me into it. We turned off on this little dirt road into the woods. And and there's nobody else there, right? Because nobody cares. But she gets out of the car. She goes, oh, let's go look. And so we walked around these concrete ruins for like three hours. And I took pictures of her standing on old iron turrets. And I mean, it had to be the most boring thing she's ever done in her life. And she insisted that we do it. I remember thinking, my wife's amazing. (laughs) Why would she do that? You know, think of how much she gets me that she really made a big deal of that happening. She's good at giving gifts. Now, here's why I tell us that story this morning. In Romans chapter 12, the apostle Paul is going to say, hey, Remember, we've spent 11 chapters. He's he's done the gospel from A to Z. He's explained the grace of God, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. And and, and he's in every imaginable way explained how God saves us because he loves us. And he's ended chapter 11 talking about the greatness of God and doing all this. And now he turns the corner and he's going to say, hey, since he's done this for us, if you want to bless him here's how. He's going to talk about the gift that most touches his heart that we can offer back to him in thanksgiving for what he's done for us. Now we can we can give him standard mail-in Father's Day stuff or we can give him something that really touches him deeply. And Paul's going to talk about what that something is. So, so let's pick up in verse 1 of chapter 12 and, and, and listen, listen to God's heart. The Bible says this, therefore, therefore, because of all that God has done, I urge you, brothers, sisters, in view of God's mercy, since God has done this for us, In view of God's mercy, I urge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Now, please understand, bodies is being used for just our whole life. It's not just your your meat. He's talking about your life as a whole. And, And he's not talking about a sacrifice wherein you die. There's a time for that. But he's talking about a living, an ongoing gift. He says, I I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your life, your body, as a living sacrifice. Holy means devoted. It means given in complete devotion. Holy and pleasing to God. And this, doing this, is your spiritual act of worship. And then he goes on to say, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will. We're going to move along. But let's take a moment and just hear verse 1. And let the apostle set the stage for what's to come. He says, in view of God's mercy, because of what he's done for us. Because of his finished work on the cross. Because it reveals how he feels about you. I urge you to offer your bodies as living, ongoing sacrifices. You know, we had Mother's Day a few weeks ago, and often on Mother's Day, I'll just, I'll think to myself, holy cow, my mom, my teenage mom, carried me in her body for nine months. And then she, she gave birth to me with pain and blood, you know. And then she nursed me and cared for me and dressed me and, wiped my snotty nose and put up with me and blessed me in a million ways. And I just stopped to think, how could I ever say enough thanks to my mom for that? And then Father's Day is right around the corner. And I think his entire life, my dad got up when he didn't want to and Drove to the job site and climbed onto that backhoe and worked and came home and and brought that paycheck that he earned home and just gave it away to all these kids, these adopted kids and this family that he had made his own. And over and over and over again, he did that. And you know what? Nobody was forcing him to. It wasn't under any kind of threat. He was choosing to clothe me and feed me and house me. And how could I ever say enough thanks? And then Paul says, even beyond that, God has done these things eternally. God has given us a mercy that is eternal. And so Paul says, the Christian life is fundamentally one of profound gratitude. If you're a believer, you know that you feel it way down deep in your heart. You almost don't have words for it. Sometimes when we sing some of those worship songs, you feel like you're going to burst from the inside out because of your gratitude for what God has done. Paul says, yeah, that's, that's right. That's, that's how we feel. And then he says, so given that, give God the gift that touches him most. Give God the gift that moves his heart. You know, in the absence of a profound sense of thanksgiving, we know that something is wrong with someone. Yeah, none of us who are parents would be okay if our ki- with our kids if, if they never said thanks for their many blessings. If they never appreciated grandma and grandpa. If they never appreciated their family. If they never appreciated all that they have been given. We know that entitled indifference says something bad about the person. And, and then we want to change that. We want to say, that's not good. That's not a road to go down that will bless you. In the same way, Paul says to us, when we feel that gratitude to God, let us express it and it will make us whole. You know, in Luke chapter 17, there's a wonderful story about Jesus coming to a town where there were 10 people who had leprosy, they were very sick, a, a deadly disease in those days. And, and when he came into that town, they cried out for healing and, and Jesus in his grace and in his mercy, he healed them, all 10 of them. They went away miraculously healed. And then the story goes on to say that nine of them just said, I'm all good. I'm on to the next thing. But one of them came back and gave thanks to Jesus for what he did. He fell before him and said, thank you. He poured out his gratitude. And Jesus responds to him and he says, your faith has made you well. And the word well means much more than healthy. (laughs) It means body healed, but also your spirit, your soul. See, thanksgiving is healthy and good for our souls. And our thanksgiving to God, most of all. And here in this passage, Paul says, since we are filled with that thanksgiving, let us offer to God the gift that means the most to him. He's going to define what that is in just a moment. We are made well by our gratitude. And if our hearts are right, we offer a a sacrifice that means something, especially to the person we're thanking, Uh, Hidden in the Greek of the phrase living sacrifice is this idea. It's hard to translate in English, but it means a gift given on the other person's terms, right? It means a gift given according to who they are uniquely. You know, when I think about this, I, I Ron and I share all the housework and, and sometimes I like to really bless her and, and get the house just spotless before she comes home on a Friday. So she comes home from work and everything's already done. But here's what I've learned. My definition of a clean house is different than her definition of a clean house, right? Amen? Have you learned that? And so I've had to learn to try to do it on her terms. We're 38 years in and I'm still trying. I'm still trying to get there. But the idea in this passage is of a a living sacrifice, a gift given on the other person's terms. And then Paul is going to go on to talk about what those terms are. But before he gets there, he says something in verse 2 that's connected. Sometimes we, we separate verse 2 and make it its own thing, but it's actually connected to the preceding thought. So having said that, in view of God's mercy, let's be living sacrifices. He goes on to say this. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. The word is metamorphosis, caterpillar to a butterfly. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind Then you will be able to test and approve, catch this, what God's, then you will know what God's will is. You will understand it. You will get him to the degree that you know what he wants. Then you will understand what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Uh, Let me pause for a moment. Often we assume that the will of God is, is essentially a to-do list, right? One, two, three, four, five, six. Here's what God expects. I want to get these things done. This is what I'm going to work on. And, and very often we go to him in prayer and say, God, tell me what you want me to do today. And you know, and we think in terms of a to-do list. And certainly, like with any good father, obedience is part of our response to him. But it's the lesser part. It's the beginning, Okay you you don't want from your kids that they would just get a to-do list from you so they could knock it out and then ditch you <laughs> right that's not that's not your hope in life you're looking for more than that from them and in the same way god is uh, reveals his will through much more than a to-do list and it happens your ability to understand that to discern that happens when your mind is renewed by listening to Jesus. Here's the idea. Paul says, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of world, but learn who God is and what God wants so that you can give him what pleases him. That's a big deal. You know, this this kind of default that we have is is sort of a lazy tendency. We say, God, I'm going to pray. You just tell me what you want me to do. But here's what God is saying. No, walk with my son every day so that you can learn what I feel and what matters to me. Then you'll know what to do. That's why the promise is be transformed by the union of mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect. See, as we get to know him, then we understand what pleases him most. And then we're able to give that gift to him and this happens when you make it your habit your discipline to listen to Jesus to let him teach you to let God's word speak to you in all the various ways that it's available to us you know Many years ago when I was stationed in Iceland, Ron and I were courting. And, uh, you know, back then it was a lot of letter writing and an occasional phone call that cost way too much money, especially because I was overseas. But eventually in the middle of this process, she said, hey, I'm going to fly up to Iceland and I'm going to spend some time with you. And and my 18-year-old brain started to think, well, I should probably have a gift for her when she gets here. And so I went out looking for something that I would get for my girlfriend if she's coming to visit me now. I'm not the most sophisticated guy in the world. Can I just tell you that? And I didn't grow up in those places. And so I regret it to this day. I don't even want to tell you. But what I went out and did was I found this alarmingly fake fur coat. And I bought it for her. (laughs) It was at the commissary on the base of all places. You know, it's kind of the sort of jacket that people who tend to a certain lifestyle might wear if if you follow me. And I thought to myself, I'm going to get this for... So so she flies into the airport and I'm so dumb. I'm there in the airport with this thing on a hanger, right? She gets off the plane. Ah, Rhonda. And we hug and blah, blah, blah. And look what I got you. I'll always remember the look on her face. (laughs) She she wasn't... Yeah, it's funny. You can get it, all right? (laughs) Oh, thank you. That's nice. <laughs> and I remember saying, come on, let's, can I put it on you? I guess, you know. And so, And she wore it that one day. <laughs> and it disappeared. <laughs> it hung in the closet for a while, then it just disappeared. I remember thinking a long time later, I wonder what happened to that fur coat. I asked her and she said, don't ask. <laughs> now, if I were in that same situation now, right, and I knew Rhonda was coming to visit me after we, it'd be something from Eddie Bauer or L.L. Bean or Columbia. I, I just know that. And, and I would get for it and I would know it's what she wants. I, I get her now. After all these years, I know, who, and so I know what she wants. Paul says, when you get to know God, you'll know what he wants most. And and, and you'll be able to give that gift to him, the one that really touches his heart, that expresses your gratitude. And when you do that, it's gonna make you whole. It's gonna make you, like Jesus said to that leper, well. It's gonna make you well. How do you find out about the other person? You listen to Jesus. Find out about who God is. Jesus talked about a key to doing that. If you're saying to yourself, I I wanna know how to do that, let me just give you a quick key. It's the Lord's own words in Luke chapter 8, verse 18. He said this, consider carefully how you listen. For whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have even what he thinks he has will be taken from him. Consider carefully. Pay attention to Rhonda, and you'll learn that she didn't want that fake fur coat. Pay attention to God through his son Jesus, and you'll learn what touches him most deeply this is incredibly important and significant, friends, because as we're going to hear him explain in a moment, here's what touches God's most, is when we, as believers, choose to make of ourselves more of a we than a me. When we choose, not not that we cease to be a me, you know, God creates us uniquely, Paul's going to talk about that, gifts us uniquely, but then he desires he dreams of us embracing one another and thinking of ourselves as a we do you think of yourself as a person who goes to a certain franchise of christianity incorporated called mrcc every week to shop for some good inspiration lots of people do i'm not saying here but in church in general lots of people do and 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 that's a that's a road that kind of leads to a a consumer faith (laughs) not the worst thing but if we want to touch our father's heart most deeply then we see our local church wherever it is as a we that we're a part of as a family a body the bible says that we belong to and that touches our father's heart most deeply Paul expresses that at length in the passage. He also talks about it over in 1 Corinthians 12. Take just a moment and hear what he says. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 12, he says the body, and that is a euphemism for the church. The, the Bible says that the church is the body of Christ. Paul says the body is a unit, it's a one, even though it's made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body, so it is with Christ. In other words, we are connected. How, how some people can, can say that they're with Jesus when they're not with his body is an argument I'll leave them to have with God. <laughs> but he himself says, no, no, no. The body of Christ, the, the local church, that's, that's his unity, his, his presence in our world collectively together. And the scripture makes it clear that we're different and yet we're one. Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 12 to say this, God has combined the members of the body, has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that his parts should have equal concern for each other. In other words, we're a we, not a me. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. You you get the idea. And what God desires is is, is that we would understand that. That we wouldn't say, hey, I'm different from all the rest of these people. Therefore, I'm not part of the we. No, that we would say, in my uniqueness, in my we, fit the, we are a we. It's not just the local Walmart of Christianity Incorporated. It's an it's a organism that I'm a living part of. Now, this doesn't mean that we cease being individuals. It doesn't mean that we cease being me's. But it means that we are more we's than me's. You know, this week, Pastor Weston was doing his duty, getting ready for Sunday morning. And he, he sends out these reminders to all the worship team and says, hey, you, reminder, you know, you're playing. Here's the set, blah, 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 blah. Well, this week, he inadvertently included me in that text. So all of a sudden, I get this text in the middle of the week says, hey, you're going to be on the worship team. Here's our set. Here's what we're doing. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, I get to play on the worship team. And so I sent Weston back a picture of me with my instrument ready to go. You know, it's the, 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 the jaw harp, you know, from, I said, hey, I'm, I'm good to go. And he goes, oh, you weren't meant to get that one. <laughs> I thought I might mess with him and say, well, I'll be there. I'm ready to go. <laughs> no, 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 we don't cease to be individuals. And in fact, it's a good thing if I don't play on the worship team, somebody say amen. It's a really good thing. But that doesn't make us less of a we. And that doesn't make you less of a we. See, friends, we're meant to understand that what thrills God is when we identify as one body, as brothers and sisters. You know, when I was, when I was a new believer, I didn't get this. I didn't understand this. I, I didn't know God's word yet. And so I would go to church thinking that I was kind of there as one of many to listen to a lecture, learn a little something, go home and maybe, you know, grow a bit. And, and I thought some people like music, so we do some music. Not really my thing, but whatever. It's all good. And then very slowly, I began to understand this that we're talking about this morning. And when I began to understand how important it is to my father, my savior, th- that I love my fellow believer and, and and think of myself as one of them, man, that changed everything. After that, I could no longer sit in a chair and ignore everybody on my aisle. If somebody sat down, I was that guy who would say hi. <laughs> when I walked through the foyer, I got to greet people. Oh, you matter. You're important. It's good to see you. And... and I began to understand how much that pleased my father. God wants us to grasp that this morning. You know, sometimes somebody asks me to watch one of these videos like people are watching online right now this morning of my message. I can't hardly do it, guys. I can't look at myself. Come on. There's this part of me that says, if only you were more handsome and elegant, it would help the church. Here's what God says. You know what, Greg? It's your ugliness that actually helps the church because people choose to love you anyway and that's more delightful to me. And there's something of that idea in this passage. Let me ask you this morning, are you more of a we or more of a (laughs) we? Abraham Lincoln tickled me. Stephen Douglas said to him during a presidential debate once, called him a two-faced hawk. Lincoln responded and said... (laughs) If I had two faces, do you think I'd wear this one in public? <laughs> Which is kind of cute, you know, but anyway. But seriously, we, we, we have some old dear friends whose daughter is in her mid-40s now, and she is profoundly disabled with cerebral palsy. And for her entire life, her parents, Doug and Debbie, have had to care for every part of her day her entire life you know our kids grow up and sometime after high school they move away and we go I made it not Taryn Taryn will be there all the way to the end barring a miraculous healing from our father she will be there forever and what has happened as the years have gone by is that Rhonda and I have come to appreciate Doug and Debbie so profoundly And to understand how deep is the father's pleasure in their love for their daughter. And then to understand from that how profound is God's pleasure in our love for one another. Doug and Debbie have become much more to us than most parents in the world. And it's that kind of idea that the apostle Paul... So so Paul goes on to say, be a living sacrifice. He says, love for one another, it must be sincere. Verse 9 of chapter 12. Uh, it must be practical. The word sincere speaks of, of that which is not primarily a feeling, but something we do in a practical way. He says it must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. The Greek word for evil there has the sense of that which creates disease or dysfunction. And so in this context, it's the idea of our, the quality of our fellowship together. Be, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Friends, there is no stronger word in Jewish tradition than Be devoted. And Paul says, God is pleased when we're devoted to one another in brotherly love. He says, Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your fervor serving the Lord. Again, the context for all of this is the living sacrifice of loving one another, of being a we. He says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with all of God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. You know, that word hospitality is, is one we've kind of lost the sense of. Nowadays, sometimes we think of hospitality as, you know, the little decoration at the center of the table or the special silverware that we get out for a holiday. But what it really means in the Middle East, it's a profound thing, is to have your life continually open to other people's lives. To be willing to, when when somebody approaches you, to allow them to engage and interact with you, to to, to welcome them into your home, yes, but but also just to welcome them into your heart, because you know we can't welcome everybody into our home all the time. But there's this there's this attitude of openness where we say, hey, you're a human being, you're worthy of my attention, you're, and especially if you're my brother or sister, I'm I'm open to you. Be open. Practice hospitality. The scripture says. It doesn't mean master it and be in amazing at it because some of us struggle with that more than others. But it says practice it so that, you, so that your life is open to fellow believers. This is what pleases God most. And then he takes it even a step further. We're almost done. He says, bless those who persecute you, your enemies. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Here's a beautiful phrase. Live in harmony with one another. That's a musical term. It means just what it says. To find a way that your life complements your brother or sister so that the music of your relationship goes together and is beautiful and pleasing to God. Peter says the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, when he says, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Paul says in verse 14, don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. In other words, think of yourself as a we. We're almost done this morning. Let me ask you, is church for you a me thing? Where you go to get some inspiration because there's a good place to get it here or there or whatever. You package it up and take it home and, and you think in those terms. Or is it a place where you go to be a living part of a family? Where you're open to one another serving, one another cooperating with one another. You know, we, we do that little 60 seconds between worship and kind of the announcements, I hope that we never think that's a throwaway minute in our gathering. It's not. It's an opportunity to practice hospitality, to open our lives to one another, because this is what pleases God most. This is what delights him the most. Paul goes on to say, and, and as you become that, we do that to your enemies as well. We don't have time to, to break down verses 17 to 20, but that's the simple idea. Do that to your enemies as well. We're not here to defeat our earthly enemies. We're here to love one another that they might hear the harmony of the God who loves them and wants to save them in our relationships. Why it's all the more important. Jesus said, John chapter 17, verses 17 to 20, that his prayer for us, the church in our day, is that we would be united so that the world will believe, that we would love one another so that the world would believe in our savior. So this is a sacred calling And the thing which most pleases our Father. When we grasp this, when we grasp this, then we're really touching him. Uh, Let me finish with a story. When uh, Ron and I were serving a church in Moscow, Idaho many years ago, There was a a lady who began uh, to come to church. She got saved, got baptized. She started coming to church, was growing in her faith. She was in her mid-30s, had gone back to school after a a first career and was changing directions. She was an art major. And uh, she came to me and we were talking about how she could serve in her church. She wanted to, but a lot of the traditional ways didn't really fit her. You know, she she thought of herself as different than everybody else. I said, oh no, sis, God's got a place for you and we're gonna find that place. Well, started talking about her loves and her talents and her abilities and, and art was her thing. And So I kind of had this inspiration one day. I said, well, hey, says, how about this? Um, how about if you design the backdrops for our worship songs on Sunday morning? Let's try that. You know, we have these songs that go up on the screen. This was the early 90s, so screens were new. We were just getting over overhead projectors, if anybody remembers, right? I said, how about if you do the backdrops to these? Oh, she was like, yeah, I want to do that. Oh, I want to do that. Now, I said, sis, remember, you know, this is, this is not about you. It's about serving other people. Oh, yeah, I get it. I, yeah, yeah. So, so she sets out to do this. Well, a couple of weeks later, it's her first Sunday to design the backdrop. Don't put it up yet there, Dustin. And... Um, we're going to sing this song. Maybe you remember it. It's about the weeness of the church. It goes, uh, you know, With our lips let us sing one confession With our hearts hold to one truth alone For he has erased our transgressions Named us and called us his own His very own And the chorus goes, We're the people of God Called by his name Called from the dark And delivered from shame One holy race Saints everyone. Because of the blood of Christ. It's a song about the weeness. When we get up to sing that song, and the slide comes up with the words, and here's the backdrop the backdrop is this Pulitzer Prize winning photograph of a Japanese mother. Caring for her crippled daughter. Her daughter was born with mercury poisoning. That's the background of this photograph. And mom had devoted her entire life to taking care of her. And this was a a picture of her caring for her daughter. And we began to sing this song that we are the people of God and the Holy Spirit was so mighty. It was almost an audible gasp from the congregation as we saw how precious the body of Christ is to God, the Father, as we understood that that's how he feels about each of us, about each other. And we sang that song and a lot of us, myself included, started to cry. We're profoundly moved. Why? Because we got it. We understood how God feels about his church and how he invites us to feel about each other. Let me ask you one last time this morning. Are you a we? Whatever church you call home, are you a we? Are you a living sacrifice for that body? This is what pleases our Father most. You want to say thanks to Him for all that He's done for you? This is how we do it. We love one another practically. We serve, we give, we forgive we practice the hospitality of opening our lives. <coughs> this morning that's the holy spirit's message to us. He invites you and I to practice hospitality knowing that's what pleases our father. Would you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we hear you calling us to offer the gift that means most to you. Lord, We ask that you would help each of us to be less of a me than a we. That you might be delighted in us. That we might offer you a gift of thanksgiving that really touches your heart because of your mercy. God, send us from here as a we. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, church? I have kept you from the sunshine too long. So now, may the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit go with you throughout this day, this week. Go with God, tell someone you love them.